Twitchy. Guys, welcome. Welcome back to Impact City Church. I'm glad everyone's here. We got the kids in service today. What's up with that? Come on, kids. Round of applause. Say what's up. Y'all say what's up to the podcast. Say what up. What up. All right. Are y'all going to go back and do your kids' ministry stuff today? Y'all can. Y'all can stay. It's all good. We love the kids here. So. Yeah, we do. So we got to lie down and ditch you if you look. We're going. <laughs> guys, guys, welcome to Impact City Church again. If you're a guest with us, uh, go ahead and uh, you fill out a connection card that's here for you. Also, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the back for you as well. You go ahead and pick one of those up right now on your way out. You don't have to feel bad about taking it home. That's your gift, our gift to you. Also, if you're an owner of Impact City Church, we have something inside the worship folders that you should have uh, gotten when you walked in today. Uh, we have our uh, connection cards and we have our offering envelopes. So for those owners of Impact City and for those who want to give a donation to Impact City as well, we'll be taking an offering up at the end of service. Uh, so uh, y'all go ahead and you can take your time. You got to rush. You're not going to bomb or shoot. Start a service and all that. So you take your time and get that taken care of. So last week, we continued our walk in the book of Mark. What we've been doing is going verse by verse to the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. And uh, last week, we wrapped up week two. If you were with us last week, we, we talked about the word Sabbath and what Sabbath meant. And today we're going to continue a little mini-series that we kind of got going on about Sabbath called Focus on the Sabbath. And so we're going to be jumping into Mark chapter 3. So you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Mark chapter 3. That's where we're going to be today. As you turn there, I want to just kind of remind you what we did last week. Last week we talked about exactly what was Sabbath and what it meant to be having a Sabbath and what Sabbath was uh, to the people of the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the people of us today. What does Sabbath actually mean? And so uh, we talked about two problems that we have as people when it comes to the word Sabbath. You all remember the first problem was busyness. We're so busy to take a Sabbath. We're so busy to, to stop and to rest and just kind of relax. We're too busy to take a Sabbath. And the other problem we had was focus, that we don't focus enough, that when we're on a Sabbath, you might find time to rest on the Sabbath, but we're not focused on what matters on the Sabbath. Case in point, you're, you're, you want to go take a vacation, but you're, you're too focused on all the stress of making the kind of vacation and dealing with the kids that you don't ever really relax. So a lot of us will take a Sabbath and we're so focused on the golf game, we're so focused on hunting and the pressures of doing all that, we forget to have fun golfing or hunting or fishing or just doing whatever it takes on the Sabbath. And so uh, today I wanted to look at another story about Jesus and his radical ways during the Sabbath. So if you guys are ready, y'all say, I'm ready? Ready. I'm ready. All right. This is uh, Mark chapter 3. Okay. So again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger and grief at them and their hardness of hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately and held counsel with the Herodians against him on how to destroy him. 
What Jesus is demonstrating here is an act of service on a day where most believers believe that there shouldn't be any service. That a day that most believers believe that there shouldn't be any work, shouldn't be anything done on this day. Here is Jesus doing some work. And if you remember, the Pharisees had gone overboard with this whole idea of Sabbath. They had taken God's law of remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy, and they had taken it overboard and said, we're going to make even more laws and more rules and more things to make sure we don't screw this one up. And here we see Jesus still messing around with these Pharisees and messing around with the religious leaders of the day over this idea of Sabbath. And here they go again. They're messing around with Jesus and what he's doing on the Sabbath. This time they kind of wanted to see him actually heal someone on the Sabbath so they can accuse him. In fact, most scholars and Bible teachers believe that the man with the withered hand was actually set up in the synagogue that day specifically to trap Jesus. They were setting a trap for Jesus. You see, Jesus was attacking their religion. Jesus was attacking everything that they knew to be right about religion. Jesus was, was messing with their heads. He was getting there. He was just not rewriting the law. He was just fulfilling the law and bringing it to light. And he shows us a few things in this scripture. He shows us a few things in the scripture I think we can pull away from. And we need to remember when it comes to God's law and scripture. If you're taking notes, number one is this. Obedience isn't always popular. Obedience isn't always popular. So, like, I have three kids. In case you know, I have Ryan, I have Zach, and I have Skyler. You know, and and, and, and these three kids, they're, they're they're fun, they're excited, they love to play, they love to do a lot of great things. And on top of those three kids, I have an extended family of church kids. They're always at my house. I love them. They're always coming over. Me and Sarah love to hang out and take care of the kids. The kids play well together. And whenever all the kids come over, it's fun. It's great. But if you've ever been at my house, when we have a bunch of kids over, you know that the chandelier kind of shakes above the dining room table because the kids are jumping and getting crazy upstairs. That's how wild they get. And the aftermath of when the kids leave is looks similar to like a tornado. Like, if I, I really do think that FEMA could come in and give us a trailer because of the, <laughs> the disaster that has happened after the destruction of the Impact City Church kids that come through the house. Not just Impact City Church kids, like, even the kids from their first school, when they came over for play dates, they just trashed the house. And the majority of trash is toys, and the toys that are usually found in our house are found in one place, usually in Ryan's room. And usually within Ryan's room, we have them in this place called the, the storeroom closet, what I call it, the storeroom closet. It's, it's this big closet that someone cut out of the attic and turned into a closet, right, in Ryan's room. And it literally has shelves, and we store all their toys and their, their electronic stuff and extra stuff, and Sarah put some blankets and stuff in there. But literally, every time that the kids come over, almost every time, that, that floor that you walk on to get in there, it's usually covered with so much toys because they would literally climb like the Alps, and they would climb up up onto the, uh, like, you know, the uh, shelves, and they'll pull stuff down, and they kind of just make a mess everywhere, okay? So to alleviate this problem, I have contemplated putting a lock on the door, only giving out so many toys whenever kids come over. I have thought about um, issuing heart punishment, as in, like, death, I mean, a spanking or something like that for them if they were to do that, but I can't really do that, you know? But I figured, what's the best way to teach my son something biblical? Then just tell him, I need you to obey. 
And so I told him that one day, I said, all right, Ryan, all the kids are coming over today after church. I need you to keep that door closed and don't let no one into that closet. No one. I'm, no matter who it is, no one into that closet. He's like, okay, dad, okay, dad. So the kids come over, they're playing, tornadoes going through the room, you know what I mean? After everyone leaves, I walk up there, right? And I'm like, man, the floor is just dirty. There's toys everywhere. The blankets are down. I mean, that's like a, a you know, posters are ripped. They're all on the floor. I'm like, Ryan, the door's wide open. The light's on in the closet. I'm like, Ryan, why did you let everyone into the closet? He said, well, they, I tried to be obedient, but they made fun of me. What do you mean to me? They, they, they said I didn't have to listen to you. And they were making fun of me because I was listening to you. Some of your parents are like, oh, they're going to get it when they get home. I'm listing no names because he didn't give me no names. He doesn't rat people out like that. He's like, no, Dad. And so he uh, <laughs> he goes, I tried to, and they're making fun of me, Dad. And so I just let him do it so they wouldn't make fun of me. I wanted to be, I wanted him to think that I was like, you know, like this kid that just listens to his dad all the time. Like, what's wrong with that? You know, like, but you know, the back of your mind, you would have done the same thing too, right? Doesn't that sound familiar? Like, doesn't that sound so familiar with us where you know what you're supposed to do? You know what it, you're supposed to be doing in accordance to God, but you know that if you do it, people are going to make fun of you. Amen? Mm -hmm. You know people are going to laugh at you when you say that on Sunday mornings, instead of going out to the beach, you're going to go to church. You know that. They're going to look at you weird. They're going to label you as the weird Christian. Some of you guys are already weird as it is, but to be labeled the weird Christian is even worse. You know this struggle. And there's lots of examples of this. You can have the same struggle in your dating relationships where you know you're not supposed to be doing what you're doing. But you know if you don't do it, then your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, your significant other is going to look at you like, why are you, do, like, why are you so weird? It's just a kiss. But we don't realize that when we kiss, we leads to something else. I guarantee, I, I dare you to make out with someone without lusting after them. Can't do it. And you're like, well, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this. I know what the Bible says. I know what I've been taught all my life. But if I start doing it now, it's going to be this awkwardness. And then, you know, it's, it's hard to be obedient. We don't want to be obedient. Some of us may say, like, I know, I know I can have a drink. As a Christian, I can have a drink. But if I go too far, then I'm really messing up. But I'm going to compromise a little bit because it's okay because there's grace. I can do it because there's grace. You're compromising. But you know that if you would just stand on your beliefs and say, you know what, I'm not going to go out with my friends today because I know that drinking could be a stumbling block for me. And if it's a stumbling block for me, it could be a stumbling block for someone else who I'm trying to get into the church. How many of you guys have had those people that just look at you and they just wait for you to mess up? Hey. And you know that, but you know that if you're a beating and you say, nah, guys, yeah, I'm just going to stay home. I keep the time with my family instead of going out with you guys all night long. If you do that, they're going to be like, oh, yo, man, come on, man, bros first, yo. They're going to say stuff like that to you. Are you going to get picked on? What about money? Money. You know you're supposed to give tithes and offerings. You know you're supposed to be obedient to that. It's not about money for the church. It's about trusting God and showing God that you trust him with everything. We always say, if you cannot trust God, the most important thing in your life, then why trust him at all? And so, and so we will trust him with other things in our lives, but when it comes to our finances, we won't trust him. We know we want to be obedient to him, but we know that if we are obedient to him, it could mean that we won't have as much in a way. Like Sarah and I always look at so many people that I work with, and they're driving nice trucks, man. 
They're driving like a new truck every four years. They're having a big, nice house. They have a pool. They have a gardener. They have someone to come, like, you know, do their things. And I'm like, why don't we? We work in the same place, right? Because like, because you're obedient to God. One, we give tithes and offerings. Two, we also don't work mad dogs every Saturday and Sunday and work overtime and overtime and overtime. We're obedient to the Sabbath. That's why we don't have so much as they do. But at the end of the day, our eternal treasure is going to far more outweigh that treasure. Because I'll tell you what, trucks break down, trucks get rusty, houses crumble. And everything that we put our trust and hope in here in this life will soon fade away as dust. So we know we have to be obedient, but we know that once we're obedient to God, once we're listening to the words and focusing on those things, then, then, then everything goes away. And those are just some examples, but just focus on the, about the Sabbath here. Focus on the Sabbath. Being obedient to the Sabbath can literally mean that, that life changes are coming in the way. See, we'll sacrifice and we'll compromise on our Sabbath just to make an extra buck. There is so many times, and I'm guilty of this too, where we have massive turnarounds at work. And there's things that sometimes you just can't pull away from, from work. And I understand if you're, you have a job where you cannot pull away from. There's people here today that aren't here because they're working today. I get that. Sometimes I'm not here because I don't work. I, I work on Sunday sometimes. It's hard as a pastor to know that. But there are people that would literally say, I'd rather work than have my Sunday off and worship God. Or I'd rather work than have any day off and, and do anything with the Sabbath. That is on the form on the edge of idolatry. That's a sin. See, we'll sacrifice and compromise the obedience of God for a quick buck. But, but haven't we forgotten, though, that, that our God is the owner of everything, that he is in control of everything, and that when he looks down upon us, he looks at us and he says, there is my good and faithful servants, those who are obedient to me, I will take care of their whole needs, everything that they need. It's a hard thing to do, but we have to remember that he provides everything for us. We have to remember that sometimes saying no to your boss is okay. See, no, no, I've worked freaking like six weeks straight. I need a day off for Saturday. I've worked six days type straight. I'm working actually overtime. No. Here's the thing, though, is that we need to really understand that God does take care of you. Philippians 4.19 says that, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. The word every back in the Greek literally meant every. Every need. So don't be afraid to obey in his commandments. He's got your back. You may be, uh, you may not have as much fun in your opinion of what fun is, or you may actually be made fun of for obeying his commandments, or you may even get to a point where you might even get fired. I knew a guy that got fired because he said he didn't want to work Sundays anymore. They fired him. They had the right to do that in Texas, unfortunately, because we're a bunch of rednecks like that. But you might get fired from a tyrant of a boss, but it will hold nothing compared to the glory you will have by obeying God. That's the mind shift we have to get in. So number one was obedience is not always popular. Number two is this. Jesus is about the whole shebang. Jesus is about the whole shebang. Don't finish uh, reading verse three with me. 
It says, and he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around with, at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. To the Pharisees were one-track-minded on their beliefs. They were so one-track-minded. In, in this case, they took the scripture that said uh, that to follow the Sabbath and to obey the Sabbath and to keep the holy, and they totally blew it out of context. We talked about this a few uh, last week when we tell you that some churches actually have broken away from Christianity and other, other religions have broken away and made their own religion based upon this one scripture that said, on the Sabbath to keep it holy, and they say, no, the Sabbath is on Friday to Saturday night, or the Sabbath is on this day or that day, and you're doing it right, we're doing it, you know, we're doing it right, you're doing it wrong, they, 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 they blow it up. And it's exactly what the Pharisees were doing it back here. They take one verse and they blow it up. Let me put it to you like this. We all have that one verse, amen? We all have that one verse that you love. For us here in Impact City, it's Isaiah 58, 12. For you would be called restorer streets and the rebuilders of the walls are breached. We all have that one verse. And some of you actually have that verse tattooed on your body or it's on the, the, the wallpaper of your iPhone. Maybe it's Jeremiah 29, 11. For another plans I have for you to kill the Lord's plans to, you know, grow you and make you prosper and all that. Maybe it's John 3, 16, you know. Maybe John 3, 16 is like the, the verse that's on every coffee mug and every Christian wall plaque inside Mardell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Like, that is like the one one verse that we like all cling to, you know. But here's the problem with that, is that it's stupid. It's stupid just to cling to one verse. And you're like, oh, but I only know one verse. Well, no, it's okay. Look, I'm not talking about taking one verse and blowing out. I'm talking about taking one verse and only focusing on one verse and ignoring the whole context of the Bible. Did you know that early in America, many slave owners actually justified slavery based on biblical verses? That many people said that it was okay to have slaves because of biblical verses, where they totally ignored the whole context in the heart of God. It's ridiculous. So if you were to just focus on one verse like the Pharisees were, you would take verses like that didn't make sense, and then you would blow them up. But then you, but listen, I'm not saying that it's wrong to look at one verse. Like there are some verses that are just awesome and powerful. Deuteronomy six five says, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might." Those verses are powerful, right? But you know what? In the context of the whole scripture, they make sense. Whenever the Bible says to gouge your eye out because you've looked lustfully at a woman. Do you go get a spoon? You know, like, do you go? I mean, because we all have, like, no eyes, us guys, right? Because yeah. we all be, like, blinded. We look like something from a movie. <laughs> we would all be doing that. So the Pharisees took verses like that and blew them up. Pharisees took verses like Exodus 15, 31, 15, and blew them up. They said, for six days you will be, work will be done. But on the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. It's fine, right? We're cool with that, right? All right, keep reading on. Whoever does not work, whoever does any work in the Sabbath will be put to death. 
Do you really think that that's what God was saying, that you would be put to death because you did some work in the Sabbath? Of course not. The whole context of the Bible does not flow with that one verse. So we need to know, we need to be a little bit of, a, of, of biblical scholars in our own right, and we understand that one verse needs to be looked at in the context of Scripture. Listen, Jesus is about the whole shebang. He's about the whole context of Scripture. We have, from Genesis to Revelation, 66 books in the Bible, 40 different authors written, written, writing these books over 1,500 years. Do you really think that God will limit everything down to one verse? No. So many in there. There's so many. This is exactly what the Pharisees did there. They limited everything to one verse. And this is when Jesus realized that when he had the, uh, his, uh, are you freaking serious moment? You ever had one of those moments where you're like, are you freaking serious? Like, seriously? Like, are you freaking serious? You had those moments, like with your kids? Like, when they come up, they're like, I'm so sorry, Dad. I, I, I broke the TV. I'm like, what'd you do? I, I threw the remote because I was playing Wii, and I threw the remote. And you're like, are you freaking serious? <laughs> Or it's like, yeah, I killed the fish. I killed my pet fish. And, and you're like, why? Because like, I took it out for a walk. You know, like, you're freaking serious, you know? <laughs> I remember Sarah, <laughs> this is going to get something because I tell you this. When she was a little girl, she told me this story. She was a little girl, and she literally had a little pet uh, hamster or gerbil or something, a little furry thing. And she wanted to give it a bath. So she opened the hot water, and she literally uh, scarred this poor little girl who was crying. And I can imagine her mom like, are you freaking serious? Like, <laughs> no more. <You> know, like, <laughs> we all have those moments where we say, are you freaking serious? And this is where he had his moment. And he says this to them. Well, in verse 3, he says, and he said to them, it's a lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm or to save or to kill. So there's like this. There's a question like, okay, guys, is it, is it better to do good or to do evil? Is it better to do life or to kill? And, he's, and I don't know what he's expecting out of them, right? But they, he, he gets this. Hmm. Silence. Silence. And his, his moment of being freaking serious is this. And he looked around at them with anger. Jesus got ticked off, man. He was so upset. He's like, are you, are you freaking serious? Are you serious here? Like, you, would, you would rather uh, kill me for healing this man than to do good and let me heal the man. Are you freaking serious? You know? And he says that he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their hearts. See, they were so into their religion and their religious beliefs that they missed the context of what was really going on here. They were so blinded by that that they totally missed the fact that the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Man was in their midst about to perform a miracle. If you saw Jesus heal a man today, would you say, man, that wasn't right, Jesus. That is so not right. We can't be doing that up in church. This is Baptist church. We heal, we heal people in the Baptist church, man. You wouldn't say that. You'd be like, oh, it's Jesus. He just healed someone, right? And these religious Pharisees are so caught up in their context of what they believe. And they ignore the whole meaning of Scripture. They ignore the fact that Jesus is here on the Sabbath about to perform a miracle. Ladies and gentlemen, we can be so wrapped up in what we believe is right on one Scripture that we totally miss 
the whole context of Scripture. We have to remember that whenever we read one verse, don't read that one verse. You read the chapter above it, the chapter below it. You look at your study notes. You figure out what this is. Own your faith. The biggest, one of the biggest lies I get in churches, well, the Bible says do not judge. It never says that. It's not the con- it does say do not judge because you will be judged as well. But the context of that is referring to Christians not judging people who are not Christians. I cannot get after a pig because it doesn't quack like a duck. Don't get mad at people who are non-Christian because they act like non-Christians. They don't act like Christians. Because they're not believers. Have patience with them. Love them. Understand that with those of them who claim the name of Christ, who have been walking in Christ, who deliberately walk away from Christ, judge them and say, because I love you, you're doing wrong, and this is not right, and you are trampling the name of Jesus Christ that has saved you. That is what that context is talking about. We can easily be misconfused when it comes to Scripture unless we read the whole Bible. All of this is God's inspired word. All of this is what we need to know from Genesis to Revelation, 66 books, 40 different authors, over 1,500 years of writing this book. God has breathed life into this book. Why should we confirm it to just one scripture? And when we're on the Sabbath, let us remember that it's not just about obeying the Sabbath, but it's about doing good on the Sabbath. It's about worshiping God on the Sabbath. We are so into not working on the Sabbath that we forgot that the reason for the Sabbath was to rest and be restored and renewed and worship God. So as we close out this little mini-series on Sabbath, I want you to remember a couple of things. One, uh, remember that our busyness is a problem and that we need to stay focused. And also remember this, that we need to obey at all costs the Sabbath and all the commandments of God. I've often said this, that I would rather be, I'm more scared to be in living in sin and God being silent than I would be to be in the wrath of God. I am more scared to be living in sin and God be silent in my life than to be living in the wrath of God. Because the wrath of God shows love. The correction and the guidance of God shows love. And so whatever it takes to obey that commandment, obey it. Follow Jesus. Listen, Jesus is better. Amen? Amen. We're just saying that. Jesus is better. Obey his commandments. Follow the Sabbath. Listen to his word. Do what it says. Jesus is better. I guarantee he's better than your boyfriend or girlfriend. He's better than that. He's better than the best raise you've ever had at work. He's better than that. He's better than anything. If you're feeling down depressed, you're going through trials and tribulations. You know what? Jesus is better than that. Jesus is better. It doesn't matter. And that song says, in every victory, Jesus is better. So no matter what you got going on in your life, you, you, you get married, Jesus is better. You have a baby, Jesus is better. Obey his commandments, because if you do not obey his commandments, that's not going to go good for you. Why is my life so messed up? I can't get on the right track. Well, dummy, you're not listening to God's commandments for your life. Follow God's commandments. Be willing to obey his word above all else, above all else. It might mean relationship changes in your life. It might mean you need to separate from people. But I'd rather be walking with Jesus than walking with someone who's not there. 
I'd rather be walking with Jesus than walking away from Jesus. I gotta just say this right now, up front. Some of us need to listen to that big time. I had to listen to that in my life. When me and Sarah and I first got married, you know what we did? We moved away. Because all our friends at the time, not that they're bad people now, they've grown and matured, but at the time, very immature people that would bring us down. You move away from that. You get away from that. You grow in yourself. You walk, you focus on Jesus because Jesus is better. And then that song says something awesome at the end. It says, make my heart believe. That's a plea to God. Make my heart believe. You know why? Because sometimes we don't believe that. Sometimes we will be so caught up in the happiness of our lives that we forget about Jesus entirely. Man, God's going to bless me with this new job. Uh, it's going to be so good. I'm going to start working. I'm going to move out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You forget where that job came from, bro. That Jesus is better. Make my heart believe that. Or sometimes we're going through trials and, and bad times where we're so messed up in life and we don't know what's going on. We feel like God's not even around us anymore. You got to remember that Jesus is better and you got to pray, God, make my heart believe that. So in a little bit, we're going to sing the song again. I want you guys to sing that with all your hearts and really understand it. Make my heart believe it. No matter what circumstances I'm in, no matter how much in the dark I'm in, make my heart believe that Jesus is better. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and then uh, ask some announcements and we'll play a song. God, thank you so much. There we get bow and I closed. Just thank you for what you're doing here in Impact City. Thank you for the people and the dedication of everyone here. God, I just pray right now that you would just make us all bold. That we have a vision to reach the city. We have a vision to just really impact the city and do good. But we need people to be empowered by you, to be filled with your Holy Spirit, to be invincible and just focus on you, to know that you are better, that no matter what comes our way, that Jesus is better and Jesus is more powerful and Jesus is all around better for us. If we are a people who believe that whether you are an individual, whether you are a family that believes that, whether you are a church body that believes that, that you would believe that Jesus is better, that would make you unstoppable. If you were to realize that you would just stand beside and stand behind the shield of Christ, you would just stand behind his word and let his word guide your way, that you would never find anything into your life that would be hindering you or holding you back, that he is going to guide your path. Because we know that Jesus is better than anything else. And may we have command and may we follow his commands as well. May we be a, not afraid to follow his commands at all costs. May we stay focused on him at all times. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.